Greetings, Sharpos. It's your friends. We're back again. Joining us this week is myself, Will Meneker. Felix Biederman. Hey, it's Virgil, Texas. Matt Chrisman. <laughs> and sitting in is Brian Gar. Brian, how you doing? Hi, guys. Welcome from uh, the real America, the great state of Texas. Oh, howdy. <laughs> Indeed, Brian, we are having you on to discuss the great state of Texas. Uh, the state so nice, uh, they will kill you if you say otherwise. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. It's um, we've been in a little bit of a slump as a state, but uh, we've we proved this legislative session that we're not going to let North Carolina or Indiana out crazy us when it comes to <laughs> bathrooms or immigrations. Uh, we can't. We're, we're not going to fall behind in the crazy arms race. I mean, it has been all downhill since the Fergusons, but I think you can turn it around. I really do. <laughs> you got a lot of breakout players, uh, bathroom warriors with fire in their stalls. <laughs> it's well, like pinball wizard. <laughs> He plays by sense of disgust at yeah. uh, racial and sexual minorities. Yeah, he, he can. Uh, it's like when Neo is blind in the Matrix, but uh, they can just see into bathrooms and like a green vision. Zeros <laughs> and ones that spell out the word perverts and sickos. Well, there's one. Uh, I guess like the sort of genesis of this is uh, there's one uh, breakout uh, star player who's uh, making a name for himself uh, as of late. And he's making a name for himself uh, really distinguishing uh, his performance by being harassed by our own Virgil, Texas. Virgil, would you like to uh, explain who this gentleman is? Sure. His name is Jonathan Stickland, and he is a Falstaffian individual <laughs> who represents the uh, suburbs of Dallas-Fort Worth, I believe. And, you know, picture a wealthy, white Texas suburb where the Republican voters are very Christian and very insane. Uh he was elected with Tea Party support. And well, before I get into exactly what he's done, uh, I thought this was interesting. Uh, apparently, people, like the news found his message board posts from 2001 and 2002, where he was uh, looking for a, someone to smoke weed with. Why was he posting on a message board for just a friend? Well, let for, me, I'm the message he, board correspondent. He's uh, looking for a friend. Yeah. A lot of message boards people are socially dislocated and they're just looking for human companionship, especially this man, the Artie Lang of Texas. <laughs> right, li listen to this. W quote, was wondering if anyone lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and loved to smoke Doug Green. Looking for <laughs> a smoke buddy, Stickland wrote in an August 2001 post on Marijuana.com. Marijuana.com? <laughs> Marijuana.com, moderated by Not A Cop, 67. <laughs> in another post in September 2002 on another forum, he wrote, I am very seriously wanting to grow some of my own stash, but I'm totally clueless on what to do. This was uh, in 2008. Uh, Stickland uh, was posting, asking for advice on how to pass a drug test issued by an employer. What can I do? Have to take it by 5 p.m. tonight, Stickland wrote. He continued, went to head shop and bought Stinger Detox drink just now during lunch. I will have to down it plus water here at work. So I went and bought a blue Powerade bottle, poured it out, detox into it, and have it sitting here on my desk for downing when applicable. Pretty clever if you ask me. Uh, uh, ed got... Editor's note, he did end up flagging positive for fudge. <laughs> well, I was going to say... Editor's... That's what I like about Texas. It's like New Hampshire. It, those are two states where the people who make it into the state government all were like uh, something awful or Reddit goon freaks who had their own like cult of people. Like it, Basically, it's like Demonious X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
of getting into government. Yeah, and he's a freedom. I, I, wanted, I wanted to guy. confirm one thing. So he, I'm a, if he's if he's Dallas Fort Worth, so I'm assuming that his jurisdiction contains uh, DFW, but does it also contain BMI? <laughs> I know. Well, I, I, you guys aren't being fair because, first of all, all conservatives only figured out the internet five years ago. So to take his post from the early 2000s, I think, is really unfair. Yeah, and it's also, I mean. It's pretty fucked up how it's legal to execute him only in Texas. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to be uh, at the risk of uh, letting our listeners go astray who also may be um, dealing with a drug test in the future. I'm fairly certain there is no way to detox yourself of marijuana if you have to take the drug test the, that day. No matter how many uh, detox compounds you drink, I think it's pretty no. much you're just going to pee like a weird color into a cup and they're going to be like, you're fired. Yeah, got a drug test at 5 p.m. is like 80% of Yahoo Answers posts. <laughs> okay, so Stickland uh, is, he's a member of the Freedom Caucus in the Wait Texas. a minute, wait a minute, it's Stickland? Yeah, yes. Stickland. That's Stick Talk. Fuck that's you, that's talk. not a name. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, he, it's, he forgot the R one time and he just stuck with it. That's what happened. No, well, his aunt, he comes from a long line of uh, Scots, Irish, German ranchers who all had sticky hands from eating candy. <laughs> so he's a member of the Texas Freedom Caucus, which is the Tea Party Caucus in the you know heavily Republican-controlled Texas legislature. I mean, picture how much of a maniacal, evil person your average Texas Republican would be, and then dial that up to eleven, and you get. This man. <laughs> yeah, I, the, 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 a little bit of background. The Freedom Caucus is, is new. It was just formed fairly recently. And it's a group of, uh, I forget, some 12 to 14 Republicans who are the, the true believers. They're tired of this feel-good Republicanism in Texas that, sure, you want to execute retarded people, and that's great, but what have you done lately? I mean, how do you feel about gay people and, and transgender people going to the bathroom comfortably? Where are you on fully automatic, you know, machine guns in classrooms? So it's it's really kind of getting the party back to its roots as a bunch of uh, lunatic fringe, gun-toting, the, the Jonathan Stickland, the, uh, the, the Alex Jones wing of the party. The cowboy. Hey, the I, can, I, I think that that's a noble effort. I mean, as far as I know, there are still orphans in texas who do not go missing and end up being buried in ditches in the wilderness i mean we got to do something about that until every child in protective services ends up in a weird private murder mill then there's still work to be done hey hey, matt this is texas it's a murder ranch okay you're right i'm sorry (laughs) yeah Yeah, i'm sorry i don't know what that liberal bullshit was you were talking about we have ranches here or or we just dump them in unmarked graves yeah, te- Texas uh, has a version of Make a Wish, sort of reverse Make a Wish. They take non-sick kids and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so, so Virgil, uh, th- th- that's the background on 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 Stickman, yeah. uh, on based Stickland. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Virgil, how did you, like how did you get into it with this guy? Uh, so the Texas 2017 legislative session just wrapped up, and I was following the progress of a bathroom bill there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> originally, originally he was like, "Oh, this affects me a lot." And they're like, "No, it's not that kind of bathroom bill." I thought we, Virgil thought it was just excluding him from Texas bathroom. Let's try this again. Virgil was looking for a bathroom on his phone, yeah. and he typed into Google, and the there first result was the legislation would have called for. Uh, 
uh, shopkeepers to shoot anyone who tried to use the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. buying Joe, something Joe Arpaio <laughs> came down and campaigned with like a caricature of Virgil. He's like, <laughs> we don't need any carpetbaggers clogging our southern toilets. We're border states. We cannot have any big city diarrhea down our pipes. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> and uh, what I read was this guy, Stickland, I uh, read about the Weed Shed and the Freedom Caucus, that uh, he and his, like, it's like 11 guys in the Freedom Caucus uh, use some procedural maneuver to uh, thwart the moderate Republican uh, Speaker of the Texas House and get, uh, yeah, get that fucking bathroom bill passed, get, what, open carry on, or no, unlicensed handguns passed, like, all kinds of just ghoulish, weird shit. Uh, and I saw this and I, I, I found, uh, through like a Twitter moment or something, I saw this guy Stickland tweeting at like a journalist and he was just whining. And I'm like, this is the guy that's doing all this evil shit is his fucking thumb with hair drawn on him. <laughs> this whining guy. He looks like he does have diarrhea. He looks like he's entirely full of diarrhea. So I think that's hypocritical of him. I mean, that's that explains his worldview. He just his entire body feels like your asshole after you have a particularly bad diarrhea session. That feeling you get where you feel like someone dusted your asshole with salt and vinegar. <laughs> that's what his entire body feels like all the time. He's a walking rat. I gotta say, like calling him looking like a thumb with hair on it, that is uh, too generous. It's more like a big toe. <laughs> With hair on it. I'd say it's, it's like it's, he's he's thick, fam. So yeah, he's high key thick. And and fun fact about Stickland, uh, huge huge anti-abortion guy. And uh, for a while, instead of you know how the reps all have their names on a sign in front of their office, he changed his to former fetus Jonathan Stickland. <laughs> <laughs> that side, which okay. is interesting because I didn't know fetuses could weigh three hundred pounds. <laughs> So I'm I'm reading it here from his uh from Stickland's Wikipedia page right now under the tab online controversy. <laughs> Which would add the marijuana thing to that. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. the Wikipedians listening get but, on this. <laughs> yeah, all, all of our army of Wikipedia editors uh, add this shit from marijuana.com. But under the tab of online controversy, it reads here: In May 2017, Stickland became engaged in an online feud with political columnist Virgil Texas. <laughs> oh, our sweet boy. Who compared Stickland's large figure to that? <laughs> who compared Stickland's large figure to that of a disgusting glazed ham, and accused him of being a sig sauerkraut packing judge? <laughs> uh, the fry corpse. I, I just want to point out that uh, he open carries in the fucking Texas. Well, he open carries guns or like a, just a vat of gravy. Oh, he, open what do you mean? he open carries his stomach because there's no other way to get well, around. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's that he is he, able to carry a gun on his person without using a holster. He just wedges it between two fat rolls. <laughs> Fuba Battalion, mount up. By the way, for, <laughs> yeah, by the he way, basically for, looks like Chief Wiggum's younger fail son. <laughs> <laughs> He's grown up wet, Ralph. He's Ralph on HGH. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, Uh, he did not. um, Once that came out, not to jump ahead, but um, I I think Stickland considers himself somewhat of a wit 
uh, along the lines of a Mike Huckabee. I mean, he likes to and, and mix it up on the internet and make jokes. And he has this month, uh, this weekly uh, dumb bill of the month video where he sort of calls out his fellow reps on on Facebook and, and posts a video just, you know, uh, uh, ranting against the rhinos and the liberals. So I, I, I think once this, uh, once Virgil kind of came after him, I think Stickland thought, oh, I've got this. I can, I can take these, these <laughs> snowflakes to church. Yeah. But, yeah. That was like a, a guy who hits pads once a month going up against like Conor McGregor. And he's like, ah, I, right. <laughs> yeah. I do a video well, every I, month. What was so, what was so instructive is just that. So he's this big fat Texas asshole who carries a gun around the state Capitol Worships at the altar of you know uh, um, his imagined idea of of Western frontier masculinity, and what is his response to getting owned by by Virgil on Twitter? To fucking sputter and whine like a child about eh, tolerant left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean this. You have a gun on your person, you fucking baby. <laughs> You giant toddler. I mean, yeah, yeah this in Texas, we, we definitely have an image of ourselves as like the state equivalent of like Red Dead Redemption <laughs> or, or like Lonesome Dove. When in reality, we're highly urbanized. Uh, we have many urban problems, but we like to pretend that we're just cowboys living alone on our own private range somewhere when in reality we're just the grandparents who fucking watch too much fox news and now they just harangue you about seth rich and benghazi over thanksgiving yeah uh i mean don't you remember when frank hammer was uh face down with the comanche and just said wow you have no idea how bad you were <laughs> yeah. Right now. yeah yeah everyone everyone in texas go everyone in texas goes into dead vision for red dead redemption picking out combos <laughs> but that's kind of what I wrote about like a, a week ago. Everyone lives this very suburban experience where they barely even talk to other people, much less like get into any type of confrontation. But it's just all it's kind of like Neopets. You just add all these sorceries, whether it's like a fucking cowboy hat, an open carry gun that if you actually saw an active shooter, you'd drop it and you'd shoot it into your staff infection. Big toe. Yeah, you're fucking your your Stetson hat, your truck. But it's all like like Neopets. You're writing fan fiction about what you'd actually do. And when you get any actual confrontation, you get someone who who just comes from the outside and just calls you an ugly piece of shit like Virgil did. My, yeah, like, yeah, no, my friend from uh, Dallas told me like living there is like just like walking from one air conditioned zone to another and not far. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. But you've got cowboy boots on when you're doing it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, we are we're, we're we think we're like John Wayne, but really we're the security guard in the movie. When the bank gets robbed, the first thing we do is hit the floor and slide our service revolver to the bank robber. <laughs> you think you're John Wayne, but you're all Wayne Knight. <laughs> I just want to I want to continue reading from the uh, the Wikipedia here. By the way, Virgil, the uh, Sig Sauerkraut is such a one good of the best pun. Uh, it's great. <laughs> um, wow, a lot perfect. of people pointed out, ah, oh, that's not a Sig Sauer. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the uh, waffle fry SS, <laughs> but it's, it yeah, goes on to say, <laughs> "Thank uh, you for calling him Jonathan Stickman." That's the first time he's been called a stickman in probably thirty five years. <laughs> but it says, uh, well, "This was so infuriating." It's like, okay, frontier frontier psychopathy is genuinely horrible, and countries that were and and cultures that organize along the, those lines of sort of hyper aggressive sort of warlordism and 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 masculine displays of violence are genuinely horrible. 
But I honestly at this point think there's something even more grotesque about this weird postmodern cosplay version of it. When you have fucking butterballs <laughs> like Stickland running around pretending that they're that they're these figures. It's just it's it's nauseating that we've uh, created this edifice of comfort that allows them to pretend to be these things. It's definitely cosplay. If he was involved in an active shooter situation, the biggest risk would be his foot as he's trying to unholster his gun. Act, uh, active shooter taken on by inactive jello shooter. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, I've not... never seen someone getting wended pulling out a gun before. <laughs> but it, it says, uh, uh, Virgil Texas, who called him, uh, so after Strickland introduced a measure intended to punish children who identify as transgender, what was actually the bill here that he was going, he was just making it even harder on transgender kids in school or like or this wasn't his bill but this was the priority of the freedom caucus it's uh yeah, it's that a, sounds it's, like freedom to me yeah. yeah it's a it's a bathroom bill right brian yeah the just like the, uh, North the background Carolina. is uh we wanted a background uh, we wanted a bathroom bill of our own because we saw all the attention north carolina was getting and got <laughs> a little jealous so um <laughs> The Texas Senate, who is led by Dan Patrick, who is a radio talk show host, uh, where all good legislature comes from, <laughs> yeah. they, they wanted like a hardcore, yeah, bathroom of your biological birth. Uh, that's what you have to go to. The House, being somewhat more moderate, uh, more, more chamber of commerce to block the people. bill and said, no, we don't want to fuck with the business. I mean, they're very cham- chamber of commerce Republicans still, uh, not, not from any sense of wanting to give transgender people any dignity at all, but they just didn't want boycotts. So their solution in the house was to, uh, set up a separate bathrooms just for transgender kids to go. Uh, like because that wouldn't cause any problems at all in uh, in elementary schools or public uh, uh, public buildings at all. So that's that's kind of what they were fighting for over the house, and then it, and then nothing ended up getting passed. So the Senate threw a fit, and now we're going to actually come back in a few weeks for a special session just for the bathroom. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I love that these guys are always taking on the most powerful interests. Yeah, exactly. Really brave cowboys. Who can who can forget when Wyatt Earp just stormed the doors of every bathroom stall at OK Corral? <laughs> but Deserves got nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, it's called freedom, guys. That's yeah. what we, we've got a lot of it down here. But just uh, just to round out this the the online controversy, uh, after Virgil harassed him, Stickland claimed his feelings were hurt by this comparison, <laughs> and in return accused Virgil Texas of being intolerant. Some commentators accused Stickland of being, quote, a sentient turd and claimed <laughs> that he was me. Like I said that. <laughs> must credit Matt Christman. And yeah. others claimed he looked like if Paul Blart hit the skids. Uh, again. <laughs> One user posited that Stickland should be more concerned with how such gendered bathroom bills might affect him as he cannot see his own genitals. <laughs> And finally, comedian Dave Anthony remarked, the only thing this guy needs to shoot is gravy. <laughs> Hell yeah, Dave. Hell yeah. But, uh, but, but uh, Brian, you, uh, after this happened, you, you let Virginia know you had some, uh, some insider info on how uh, Stickland's colleagues in, in the Texas legislature uh, found this whole online controversy, right? Yeah. They, uh, it, it, so the controversy broke on Twitter, and, and 
Stickland made the number one mistake of responding to you guys, which obviously opened up the floodgates. And and I think he thought he could handle himself, but it, it as you as you just read, sort of spun quickly out of his control. So he We're the Earth Brothers, bitch, not you. <laughs> <laughs> so he started whining to anyone who would listen, apparently around uh, around the state house uh, about how uh, you guys were actually the biggest bullies of all. <laughs> Some and, Carl uh, Diggler shit. Victim, you know, because as a, as a straight white Republican male in Texas, I mean he is a very marginalized figure. Uh, uh, did you see this tweet there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, there's a conspiracy to kill me. I'm suing Twitter. I'm suing Comcast for allowing this to happen. And uh, what was Big the libs. Brian? Uh, based on your source, what was the reaction from uh, his colleagues? Um, uh, uh, abject love. Uh, it was. It went over like gangbusters because just a little bit of background. You know, just in the in the in the normal course of of uh, doing uh, lawmaking, there's a, there's certain bills that you have to pass that are like not controversial. They might be like code cleanup for a sit your city or just sort of very nuts and bolts uh, yeah. uh, things that have to do with governing. Well, Stickland and the Freedom Caucus, if they don't get their way, they will regularly just kill dozens and dozens of bills and just fuck things up. So everyone hates him. I mean, it just Republicans and Democrats alike, uh, because he's a, he's a grandstander. And, uh, yeah. So once the, uh, Wikipedia article was updated, there quickly became a glazed ham caucus, uh, formed in the, the legislature. I think there's about two or three members at this point, but uh, they're definitely still growing. Brian, is this a bipartisan caucus? Uh, my sources uh, tell me that yes, I, th- I think so. Yeah, That's so beautiful. Uh, thank you in some ways for kind of bringing an era of bipartisanship to this uh, to is Texas. the where the no labels revolution starts <laughs> and if you believe in radical centrism make roast this one man Jonathan, <laughs> find him out make fun of him it's something that will bring r's and t's together for the betterment of, of this country stickland's more no, he's fuck, more- no never again fuck them fuck all those republicans who don't like stickland i'm sorry but if you don't stop for a minute and think I'm part of a party that allowed this burbling cumwad to be part of it, to I waddle see. around the state capitol with a fucking 10-gallon hat filled I with see, gravy uh, and a fucking gun wedged in his gunt, and you're going to not wonder what the fuck am I doing in this party? <laughs> fuck you. I see Matt's the captain of the SS partisanship. Yes, yeah. I am. I am a mondo partisan. Now, uh, the the other figure <laughs> that, that emerged out of this... Uh, smaller out of this, figure, surely. Yeah, the, <laughs> the other... Jupiter. Sm- <laughs> that emerged out of this, this ruckus, this showdown, uh, this Texas-style showdown, yeah. is a figure called... Briscoe Kane. Yeah. Briscoe <laughs> County Jr. Bad, bad Briscoe Kane. But that web whip noises everybody. <laughs> <laughs> he, he kind of has a Schlutstoffel face, but if uh, anyone in the Schlutstoffel had a nut allergy, but just kept on nutting. Like this, come on, this is a joke. I'm just showing the guys pictures of this guy. This is like a baby. <laughs> and, and you put a cowboy hat on, like at the mall at a photo booth. <laughs> this town's only, this pacifier is only big enough for two of us. You want to share? <laughs> okay, okay. First of all, all our listeners, Google image search Briscoe Kane. But Brian, who is Briscoe Kane, and how did he get involved in this? 
He is uh, he is a very good boy, and he got his <laughs> first like cowboy hat and boots uh, six months ago, and decided to run for the state legislature, and it was a huge success. Uh, now he is um, he is a tiny uh, tiny man out of uh, Baytown, which is like a Houston a Houston suburb, and um, he is um, like considered like sort of a crony of Stickland. There's lots of photoshops around of, of, of Stickland giving him a spanking or just sort of, you know, Briscoe kind of being the little baby to Jonathan Stickland's uh, big, strong, big, strong. So he's, uh, he's sort of, it's sort of like a master blaster relation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or, or Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> we all know it's a classic relation. But did, uh, and so Br- Briscoe is sort of the Renfield to uh, Stickland's um, Dracula, fat and loving it. But um, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good. Yeah, he's a, he he's um, uh, from the the Tucker Carlson like um, the wearing a bow tie gives me a personality like <laughs> that kind of that kind of Republican. <laughs> and uh, Virgil, did he go at you as well? No, no, I'm not. Uh, I. No, I, I think O'Brien knows more about Briscoe than I do. I forget exactly how he came into our orbit. Doesn't he have a gay conversion story? Or yeah, is that, a that rumor? was the thing. That, so- is, a, that is a rumor. That is, uh, it was, uh, there was a picture of him uh, with another gentleman that was used in a, uh, uh, an ad when, uh, in, during a primary race that just said, say no to indecency, say no to Briscoe Kane. Uh, Brian, but, I'm looking at the uh, ad. I, I'm not sure what the indecent part, part Hang on, I'm looking at the was. ad right now, and I'll just describe it to you. Um, it's a picture of Briscoe, I guess, as a college kid, and he's just in photos with other men. It's the, This doesn't yeah. appear gay. Uh, nah, dude, if you're friends with other men. Yo, <laughs> you're mad, you're mad crush man. Yo, he's friends with other men. But, he's shaking their but, hands but, and shit. <laughs> yo, that shit's gay. But listen to the copy on this ad. Briscoe Kane is well known to those who frequent Montrose area nightclubs and gay bars. Checkmark. Houston voters want to keep men out of women's locker rooms and restrooms. Checkmark. District 128 voters should keep Briscoe Kane out of the men's restrooms as well. <laughs> Yo, your man be knowing other men's names and shit. He's recognizing their faces and touching their hands. Yo, homo alert. <laughs> Republican primaries down in Texas. Like, there's no subtlety to the ads yeah. at all. You just write on a piece of paper, this guy is a faggot, and mail yeah. that to voters. Yeah, you're, I don't even know the name of my campaign manager. I've never talked to another man. I don't know who my dad is. Yeah, this is this is Texas where, you know, if you don't sit one seat apart from your friend at the movie theater, then there's questions that that uh, arise. So, yeah, there, there's been all this sort of uh, attack surrounding him, you know, politically. Uh, but but no, nothing's ever really, you know. Uh, nothing's ever really been been proven. Um, he's just sort of a, a another freedom caucuser, uh, big on big on bathrooms. He he once compared transgender violence in bathrooms to dudes in dresses getting beaten up. Um, he's still sort of harping on the whole death panels thing. Uh, that's I don't know. I I thought we had sort of figured all that out like after Obamacare, but uh, he got taken to task for. Uh, sort of bitching about supposed death panels on the House floor, and uh, a, an actual doctor 
who was a, another state representative, said, no, you're just talking about fucking palliative care. You have no idea what you're talking about. And Briscoe kind of stammered and hemmed and hawed for a second. And then Jonathan Stickland came up to the mic and kind of pulled him away. And, uh, <laughs> well, well, let's, first, live, well, let's live to hate another day. Well, for Strickland, a death panel is just any lunch counter. <laughs> Brian, if these guys are hated by their colleagues and they're hated by business interests and in person they are thoroughly unpleasant, how do they keep getting elected and winning primaries? Uh, their base loves them. I, I, it's, it's almost like a, they're like they're like many Donald Trumps. In Texas, we're kind of the farm team for the crazy right. So we, yeah. we've got these guys that... Uh, you know, it's like minor league baseball. You know, we're, we're, we're seeing what they've got. But no, most people don't like them, but they have a very sort of loyal core group of people. I guess, you know, uh, posters on marijuana.com or whatever. But uh, the base just really loves them, even though they're fucking ridiculous. And also, Texas is an extremely gerrymandered state. I, mm. In Austin, we have like five different U.S. representatives uh, fucking Lamar Smith is my representative and wow. he's like an outright climate change denier and, yeah. a, and an idiot. So it's, uh, it's just a very, uh, hyper Republican hyper. There, there are three Democrats. They're all in Dallas and Houston and they're just trotted out occasionally to just throw eggs at. That's the, <laughs> I, like the Democrat, like our, our, the Democrats ideal in Texas is Ann Richards, who was a fucking one term governor who got destroyed by George W. Bush and helped launch his career, and then she went on to lobby for big tobacco. So that's that's. <laughs> she was also she, wasn't she a waitress on uh, that show? Uh, uh, what Alice's Restaurant was it? Alice, <laughs> the place you know, kiss my grits. Wasn't that her? Yeah, she's yeah, actually. There was a lot of grits being kissed. Yeah. She was a uh, mama in Mama's family. <laughs> she's actually uh, both of the two broke girls. And right. what, whatever happened to uh, Wendy Davis? Remember, there was like that brief moment when like she was considered to be like the next great savior of like Texas Democratic politics. Yeah, she. she so she last session filibustered um, an abortion bill uh, because it was draconian, and she she filibustered it. It was ultimately uh, pointless, and it passed anyway, but she, you know, they sort of won the day. And uh, so the Texas Democratic Party thought, oh, this is, this is going to be the person who brings us back the governorship. Uh, and it failed miserably. And she, there was this, uh, you know, there was some energy around her, but you're not going to win in Texas by uh, being a, a, a pro-abortion activist. So it, she sort of ran a... There was just sort of this crappy campaign she ran against Greg Abbott. She was defeated by double digits, and no one's heard from her again. Is there any way out of the hell world that you guys have down there? Is there <laughs> yes. any future other than just an insane dystopia of drought and dead orphans and people shooting themselves in the drive through at Carl's Jr.? I mean, is there anything? Can Beto beat uh, Ted Cruz, for example? Um, no, no, he can't. Okay. I, I, it's, I, th I think there's an idea on the left that eventually, uh, because of, uh, demographic changes that, uh, Texas is going to turn blue, but the, the right is, is well aware of that and is definitely trying to crack down with super harsh voter ID laws. We spend as a state nearly a billion dollars on border security 
which is the Fed's job. It's not our job, but we send DPS agents and and outfit them like fucking Rambo, and they just ride around on boats on the Rio Grande, just looking for someone to shoot. We we have the lowest percentage of insured people in the country. We have massive problems funding public education. We pour all of that into uh, alleged border security. And the only thing that keeps us kind of solvent as a state is we're basically fucking Saudi Arabia. Like we're sitting on a lot of oil. Um, and that's the only thing they, they sort of always point to Texas as, you know, uh, the good, uh, you know, the, the prosperous Southern state, it's always growing when really we just have oil reserves and we steal tech startups from California who don't want to pay state income taxes. So are we going to have to fucking just fence you people off eventually? <laughs> like if, if Bernie Sanders' cryogenically frozen head stitched to a gorilla body wins the presidency <laughs> in 2028 or whatever, are we just going to have to like throw up walls around you to keep the insanity out? We would love that. I mean, there's, defi- there's definitely a secession uh, movement like the Republic of Texas. Good. Uh, that, that very Go. much, yeah, wants to be its own country. But I don't think what they realize is – To spend the kind of money on a military that Texas would want to have (laughs) in our own country would fucking bankrupt us immediately. Oh, and we gave y'all and we gave y'all Alex Jones, so you're welcome. You're welcome for that. How how about this though? I can't be the only one that thinks if we take all the weirdos that Rahm Emanuel elected in 2006 that lost within seconds uh, after 2006, we could turn Texas blue. Let's cut all the entitlements. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, General we, um, Webb, your yeah, draft if, number is if up. Jim Webb bragged about killing a Vietnamese child or whatever he did during the debate. That would that would only help him in Texas. I'm sure he spiked here if, when the, when he said that. Uh, they called me two my lies, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it's uh, there. There's some issues, and and I think again, it gets back to our our mythology of ourselves as these sort of you know silent, strong cowboy types who, uh, if the government would just get out of our way. We could all have our own ranches and just sort of live, uh, live in Walker, Texas Ranger land. Wait, Brian, but, uh, Brian, I got, I got the guy. I got just the guy. We're going to draft. He's going to run as a Democrat. He will win the governor of Texas in 2020. Cormac McCarthy's the judge, but oh, wearing sneakers. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, Judge Holden. Stro- he's got uh, judicial experience, <laughs> firearms. He knows his way around guns. He he's, certainly knows how to patrol bathrooms. He, yeah. uh, he absolutely knows how to put, or, or the Jakes, as they're called. He also has yeah. foreign policy. If experience. you go into the Jakes while wearing the wrong gendered clothing, uh, something unspeakable will happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> he has foreign policy experience. He's been he's been quite a bit of time in Mexico. Uh, he's yeah. fought he's fought terrorists, aka uh, Apache Indians. Um, and he knows. I have to-, to say that if you did that, if you said that shit, like you know, before man was, war awaited him, the ultimate trade awaiting the ultimate practitioner. Like that would be a huge applause line. That would be a fucking bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> I okay. think my vote's with Chuck Woolery. I think he can bring <laughs> the Democrats back to promise. He's a he's a straight shooter who just who just tells it like it is. And also, Chuck Woolery can identify Jews on site. Yeah, no, it's um, you know, there are not many of them here in Texas, but um, it's uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a. 
you know, he, he's a very uh, uh, popular tweeter. He hosted uh, Love Connection. So that's in, in Republican circles. He's a massive celebrity. We just we're just trying to get Scott Bayo down. here. OK, Brian, that's uh, that's the state of Texas. Uh, I would like now to move just a little bit up north to the great state of Nebraska. Now, this is the first time we've ever talked about Nebraska on the show, and it's actually, we're not even going to talk about Nebraska. We're going to talk about their senator, Senator Ben Sass, for this week's reading series. I wonder Sass to Sass! <laughs> Ass, grass, or sass. No one rides for free. I want, I'm bringing up ben, Ben's ass here because uh, Ben has a, has a new book out right now that's all about how you know, uh, kids today are too coddled, you know, they're not independent enough. And his whole book is about how to raise kids to be dang grownups. Uh, and, and, I, and I'm interested in Sass because I can sort of feel, I can like see it happening in real time, him becoming like the next Paul Ryan figure in that he is a Republican under the age of 90 who like doesn't look like the Crip Keeper or some just sort of like corpulent, uh, you know, sort of uh, like, you know, uh, post-apocalyptic warlord or, yeah. Yeah. He looks like, oh, he looks like the statutory rape soccer coach from The Sopranos. (laughs) And that's why people like him. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're a Republican who's, like, you know, again, doesn't look grotesque and, like, has a sort of smile and doesn't kind of, like, openly talk about putting gay people in concentration camps then like the you have this huge birth in the media that will just like yeah. line up to kiss your ass and talk about you as like the next big figure or presidential contender wink wink so I, I'm hopefully I'd like to put him in the ground before that even well, begins he's also someone who yucks it up with the media on Twitter just like that fucking text Judge Don Willett Dick. But but before before we get into to Ben Ben S, Ben S was just uh, in the news just on this past Friday because he was the guy sitting across from Bill Maher when he dropped uh, the uh, he said I'm no house uh, he dropped when Bill Maher dropped his N bomb on TV and it was like 13 seconds of like dead air and yeah. Ben Sass just grinning like an idiot Ben Sass he took to Twitter after he saw that everyone was really mad about it and realized like oh I was there uh, <laughs> he took to Twitter to do a tweet storm about it and like I didn't read it but like the third one was something like here's what I wish I was quick enough to have said to Bill sir we do not use that word and it's like (laughs) you were there was dead air for like 10 seconds no one was interrupting anybody like you could have said anything like why would that take you two days to think over yeah I mean in the moment you hear that word you're like uh, is that all right? Is that the N word or is that just one of them? <laughs> you know, if only I was just an amazingly quick person, See, I, I could figure know, that I out. I wouldn't know what to do because I've never heard that word before. <laughs> I would not. I can't tolerate it in my presence. I would immediately go, "Sir, uh, do you have the certificate that permits you to use that word?" <laughs> you should, sir. Where is your license? Who is your N word instructor? Who is your commanding rapper? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> permission to use the N word, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that that again and and just like be be aware of how this guy is currently being feted in the media as like the next big thing and this book that he's that's out right now is pitched as like the perfect kind of like nonpartisan common sense that is exactly set up to pitch him for an eventual presidential President, run. yeah absolutely yeah, he's still a never yeah. trump guy 
Yeah. He, yeah. he feels like a hedge against Trump. So if, if and when Trump invariably implodes, SAS can be the one with like plausible de- deniability. And yeah, like, oh, it's SAS he's, and Kasich who are positioned for that. Yeah, because yeah. like he, he, he has this like aura about him that he's like, again, the decent Republican. So yeah. like, you know, like the nice guy, uh, good father, you know, you know, anyway. So like any anytime anyone gets tagged as the decent Republican, the last guy, of course, is Paul Ryan. And he, of course, right now is probably the most evil man in our government, or at least by far and away the most Matt, destructive. I think Mattis is a little more evil. I mean, domestically, like okay. in terms of what he's actually doing to America, not you know the Horn of Africa or the Middle East. <laughs> well, I, Mattis, I've I've had this argument in the past we're, week. We're, I think I mean Mattis has like more war crimes. I feel like we're getting we're getting to we're talking we're talking sass. No, dude, we're talking Mattis. <laughs> talking about the Butcher of Fallujah. We're doing a reading series. <laughs> So let's get to, let's get into this reading series. This was in the the Wall Street Journal's uh, Saturday essay, and it's called "How to Raise an American Adult." And the subhead is: Many young Americans are locked in perpetual adolescence. Nebraska Senator Ben Sass on how he and his wife are encouraging their children to become fully formed, independent grown-ups. He begins here. Uh, we all know the noun adult, but I was. Per- I, I oh, fuck you! That's the Webster's <laughs> dictionary defines shit. Fuck off. Yeah. Adults are a study of contrast. <laughs> we all know the noun adult, but I was perplexed last year to hear the new verb to adult. Adulting like a boss, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah. In social media, especially on Twitter and Instagram, it birthed a new hashtag. <laughs> hashtag adulting. As in just paid this month's bills on time, adulting. Or decided I couldn't watch Netflix eight hours straight and went to the grocery store instead. Hey, if you're listening to this, uh, can someone uh, check up Ben Sass's Instagram likes? Because I have a guess that it's all big fat asses. <laughs> voting voting. voting Voting with Donald Trump 100% of the time, but still doing self-important tweet storms. Adulting. <laughs> and then he says, adulting, Ben, he's going to explain it now to the average reader of the Wall Street Journal who doesn't know what Twitter or Instagram oh, is. Adulting. <laughs> adulting is an ironic way to describe engaging in adult behaviors like paying taxes or doing chores, the sort of mundane tasks that responsibility demands. To a growing number of Americans, acting like a grown-up seems like kind of role-playing, a mode of behavior requiring humorous detachment. Let me be clear. This isn't an old man's harumph about kids these days. He has to give that disclaimer for what everything that follows after. But he says, uh, I still remember Doc Anderson standing in the street in 1988 yelling at me to slow down as I drove through his neighborhood in our small Nebraska town. Glad he's name checking Doc Anderson here. (laughs) I'm not an old man. I I fondly recall. Well, I was was violating the Mann Act, the local pharmacist (laughs) yelled at me. I thought Doc Anderson was going to warn him that they had to go back to the future. (laughs) (laughs) 1488 miles an hour. <laughs> ben, we gotta go back. It's your kids. They're going into whatever bathroom they want. <laughs> Where we're going, we won't need to pay for roads. <laughs> he says, uh, I was 16 and couldn't stand that guy, Doc Anderson. No, Years later, <laughs> when I had children of my own, I returned to thank him. 
He doesn't even tell who this guy is. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Uh, thank you for yelling at me that one time. Yeah. Uh, I'm a senator now. <laughs> thank you for your service, Doc. <laughs> and he says, uh, as many parents can attest. That's a John Kasich story. Yeah. Uh, I went back and saved him, but he told are, are, me that he's not a doctor. Said, are, all and, the, are all the Never Trump guys just like Kasich? Just telling rambling, yeah. shooting, sipping stories? They all got dementia at age like 14. <laughs> <laughs> like, every day I asked my mailman if it was gonna rain and he would say I don't know and I used to hate him for that but I think we're doing fine to say I don't know now <laughs> sir you're 38 and you have like seven brain cells left what the fuck is going on with you but it uh, is it's like y'all said he's like a he's like a fucking android designed to appeal to old people even <laughs> though he he's what like late 30s like his early 40s he's yeah. fucking he just wants to tell them what they are already believe like well the reason these millennials have so much student debt is they never had to use a fucking phone book <laughs> well, well the funny the- thing is is that yeah he is designed to appeal to these old people but guys like Kasich and sass don't realize that the fucking keck lords have sort of mute mutantly like uh turned the old people into like pepes now like they they don't want to hang around the malt shop anymore. They want to trigger snowflakes. Like you see these grandparents on Twitter using the exact same lingo as these fucking basement shithead teenagers. So like by the time SAS runs for president, there's not going to be any constituency for this. They're all going to be dead or online. Yeah, all the all the old people are going to die like posting Kekistan flags. All the old people now talk about triggering people and it's like didn't you like move you and everyone you knew 30 miles outside of the city because you saw one black person <laughs> 50 years ago? Haven't you? Ha- didn't you write 15 letters to TV Guide about <laughs> Murphy Brown's yeah. uh, child out of the wedlock <laughs> in 1991? Yeah. Well, Brian, as you said, I-, I love that, like, you said he is like made in a lab to appeal to old people. And in the first paragraph of this essay, he name checks a cranky old man he grew up with that he returned years later to thank for being an asshole to him yeah he's trying to he's trying to steal asshole valor from dr brown and it's it's not cool he's he's a fuck also i love that lead where he's starting with a dictionary definition which my first year of journalism school they told us specifically not to do that it was fucking hack back in the 90s so so sass in the middle here he he quotes a bunch of uh stats about how people 18 to 34 now are more likely to live at home and he says a great many factors have contributed towards this shift of course he doesn't mention he says the economy has something to do with it hmm do you think So he goes on to say, our nation is in the midst of a collective coming of age crisis. Too many of our children simply don't know what an adult is anymore or how to become one. Perhaps more problematic, older generations have forgotten that we need to teach them. It's our fault more than theirs. Taking responsibility. That's step one to being an adult. So he's going to. He doesn't gonna, believe that. He doesn't believe he, at that at all. In, in terms of some sort of personal failure, that's bullshit. So he says, "My wife Melissa and I have three children, ages six to fifteen. We don't have any magic bullets to help them make the transition from dependence to self-sustaining adulthood because there aren't any." Wait, what? Put a marker in that. 
magic bullets that help you raise your kids. Yeah, that's a what really the fuck weird kind of metaphor is this? <laughs> yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't have any uh, magic cages that we can lock <laughs> our kids. In. I don't have any magic gun I can shoot my kid in the head and kill. Yeah, him I wish there was a. An adult. <laughs> I don't have a magic bucket of water I can pour over mm. my child's face and make them feel like they're drowning so that they uh, do the dishes. <laughs> oh, when I was a kid, they had the adults had a special gun that they'd shoot us with, and it was called the chore <laughs> gun. And you would think you were dying, but you would come <laughs> to in the hospital and you had done all your chores. Yeah, definitely there's a magic we don't have any. We don't have any magic bullets left because Ted Cruz's dad already used it to kill Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he goes, uh, he says, but we do have a shared theory of what we're aiming to accomplish. We want our kids to arrive at, at adulthood as fully formed, vivacious, appealing, resilient, and self-reliant, problem-solving souls who see themselves as called to love and serve their neighbors. Woo. Uh, I love that he keeps saying fully formed, like he didn't want to have like thalidomide babies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, our next generation will be the perfect generation. 36, 24, <laughs> <laughs> So he says him and his wife, Melissa, have uh have five broad key they have five magic bullets to fire at the children of today that's half a magazine of a cult 1911 <laughs> that you can shoot your kids with the first of which resist consumption although we often okay. fail at it melissa and i aim to imprint in our children the fact that need and want are words with particular and distinct meanings when our six-year-old son points to a toy at Target and says, I need that, we let him know that need actually has nothing to do with it. His survival doesn't depend on securing that toy. Yeah, no, I'm a, yeah, I'm a parent, and six-year-olds are totally capable of processing that information maturely, uh, being told. There's no way his kid threw a gigantic temper tantrum in the middle of Target after he told him that. <laughs> Magic hey, bullet. Number two, embrace the pain of work. You're not what? Okay, you okay, okay. Your entire life, you piece of shit. <laughs> yes, work will set you free. No, he didn't actually write that. <laughs> but uh, he says many. None of these motherfuckers have had a job in thirty years since the time that they wrote that. Not he, a single one of them. Well, let's you know, when I, uh, when I worked at my father's a haberdashery store for the summer <laughs> in 1972. So he says, uh, many of the same social scientists highlighting the emptiness of consumption point to a very different key to happiness, meaningful work. Over the years, I've found that just about everyone interesting I've ever met possesses a strong work ethic, focused on doing even humble jobs well, and they typically learned it early in life. They usually have a passionate answer to the question, what was the first really hard work you did as a kid? Ugh. So then now he uses a specific example from his life. He says, uh, last year, we sent one daughter to spend a month working on a cattle ranch. She was 14 and surprisingly eager to get her hands dirty. We left her with little advice other than to make us proud by working hard, to ask for coaching, and to never let her bosses hear her complain. Now... The thing I want to like, this is the Mike Road dirty jobs bullshit, yeah. right? Yeah. That working yep. at a cattle ranch for one month 
As like you know, like that, that's not a real fucking work there for ten fucking years, and then you can like you know talk about like that how, the, how pain makes you a better person after you've spent like yeah at least a year <coughs> ramming your arm up a cow's ass to milk its prostate. Well, interestingly, I mean, uh, sorry, a bull, a bull. Nobody, nobody complain. Well, when uh, uh, some cows have prostates, by the way. <laughs> when Ben's uh, when Ben's son was twelve, they sent him to work at a pizza place. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, but okay, so Ben, uh, he got, he's never worked hard in his life. He has a PhD in philosophy. Yeah. And cool. then he's worked in government his entire life since. Listen then. to this, wait, listen to this paragraph. It says, start young, send your two year old to get your socks every morning. Wait, you mean your two year old cocker spaniel or two year old baby? Like, what the fuck? He says, send your two-year-old to get your socks every morning. It creates a rhythm and pattern that can easily be upgraded to more complicated and adult tasks. Reevaluate every service you're paying for at home and ask if your children could do it instead. That's how Pokemon works. <laughs> that was Brendan's joke for the episode. Signing off. Like, this is like fucking, uh, yeah, like turning, turning your child labor but like artisanal child labor, I guess is the idea. <laughs> well, he ends Does that. Does your he chimney en- need sleeping? Here's a fucking broom, <laughs> Braden. Uh, yeah. Rod, you have small girlish hands. Reach inside, <laughs> reach inside this combine thresher to fish yeah. uh, fish out the uh, right. what's clogging it up. Okay, magic bullet number three: connect across generations. So this is the Doc Anderson thing again. Today's young people's lives are driven by one predominant fact, birth year. In person and online, teenagers hang out overwhelmingly with friends of the same year in school. No way. Correspondingly. <laughs> what a genius. It's like they're all in the same class together. It's no. a social setting. Correspondingly, correspondingly, senior citizens live out their years in nursing homes where they interact mainly with their age peers. With other senior citizens. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then their grandson comes in and uh, he thinks that the, uh, that the rhythm of their heart is telling them to put a pillow over their face and then you know it wasn't the best thing but it taught him a lot about how god tells us to kill later he becomes a senator i feel like this is leading up to some weird ron fournier compromise where it's like young people elementary school kids will have to live in nursing homes now (laughs) how come how come uh it's not okay it's okay for a freshman to date a senior but not a senior citizen (laughs) folks we should have uh january december romances ben sass's guide to grooming (laughs) A twenty four. Is he saying that he wants to hang out with more children? Is that the point? <laughs> no. And old people together. He says introduction by Jeffrey Epstein. He says a twenty fourteen Boston Globe article neatly summarized much of the recent research on this question. One study found that among Americans sixty and older, only a quarter had discussed anything important with anyone under thirty six in the previous six months. And when relatives excluded, the percentage drops to just six percent. This isolation is in no way res- way to raise responsible adults. Uh, he goes on. Uh, he talks the about how, age that was thirty six. Yeah. So people over thirty six aren't talking to strangers under the age of thirty <laughs> yeah. about important issues. Well, yeah. When you said that, when he when he said the Boston Globe has been doing research, I thought for sure he was going to cite Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, really? I thought he was going to talk about the Spotlight reporters and the research yeah. they've done with old people connecting <laughs> with. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, he said. I personally, yeah, I personally just show up at elementary school. It's all the 
the time just wanting to have a dialogue with the kids. Yeah, it's yeah. Felix Elementary Schools to scream at children about Syria, demand <laughs> to know what they think. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, I was trying to follow Senator Sass's advice, but uh, uh, now I have to tell my neighbors when I move somewhere new because I'm sorry, but a lot of third graders are pro-NATO. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, you may be asking yourselves, like, how the fuck are all these old people going to be talking to kids who aren't their grandkids? <laughs> so Ben says, there are many ways to make these connections. The simplest are activities like taking your children to bake cookies with an elderly neighbor or volunteering at a senior center. Just take your kids to the elderly person in your neighborhood, leave them at their house, and make them bake cookies. But he goes, the, the occasional visit isn't enough. We need to encourage our killed children to build lasting connections with older people who aren't members of the family. Perspective is invaluable. It lets your children hear about previous eras, including those first hard jobs, and gives them the longer view of what it means to struggle with hardships and to persevere. So yeah, Kids need to learn about what the Great Depression and what World War II was like. This sounds like the outline to a fucking new age cult. Like we're all gonna wear white smocks, uh, young and old people living together in hovels. If their kids are spending that much time in nursing homes, they're definitely gonna come home knowing what the N word is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the new big tags on Instagram are just gonna be the N word and Palooka. <laughs> Magic bullet number four. This one is the most cryptic. Travel meaningfully. What? Can you take yeah, a guess okay. what this means? What the Go fuck is Thailand. that eat, pray, love bullshit? <laughs> what the fuck is he talking about? Decades ago, the historian Daniel Borston uh, drew a distinction. He is, but Borston sucks, parenthetically. He's terrible. Borston's oh, really? strong. <laughs> so the historian daniel borston matt is he some sort of uh civil war revisionist i'm guessing no he's just one of these fucking nerds you know it's like people people stopped uh you know uh America declined when people stopped wearing hats. <laughs> America declined when people stopped bathing the elderly. Yeah. So he said, uh, Daniel Borston drew a distinction between the nobility of travel and what he saw as the boredom of touring. So like, I, I mean, I'm skipping this fucking yeah, what magic bullet. This is just talking? boring. I mean, I, I'd say that like a model of meaningful travel would be uh, Charles Murray in Southeast Asia in the yeah. early 70s. Yeah. The, it's Matt Forney is the only person <laughs> keeping this great tradition alive. Oh, this wonderful young man, Matt Forney, and his meaningful travel. He yeah. is constantly talking to underage people. <laughs> <laughs> he knows the meaning of hard work, the pain of work when he writes his ebooks. I'm skipping that fucking magic yeah, bullet fuck because shit. it's totally boring. Okay, here's the last. I'm just thinking of Ben Sass's kids coming home from a nursing home going, Daddy, did you know the Civil War was really about states, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the last magic bullet, and it's the best one in my opinion. The last one is become truly literate. Ooh, Ooh, okay. So he says, realize, realize, realize. So he says, reading done well is not a passive activity like sitting in front of a screen. This is what we're doing right now, actually. Yeah. It requires attention, engagement, and active questioning. Again, like we do on the reading series every week. Have you ever seen someone week. post, you fucking dumbass? <laughs> you do all those things. 
And he said, I think blah, blah, blah. He gets some statistic about how young people are reading less. He says that our young people take so little interest in reading is sad, but not just for them. It also keeps them from growing into the sort of engaged, responsible citizens our republic needs. America's founders understood literacy as a prerequisite for freedom and self-government, and we are paying the price today for failing to take that truth seriously. The first step is to encourage them to become quantity readers. A friend introduced Melissa and me to a challenge called The Century Club. To be a member, you must read 100 books in a year. Quite a few people can read. Quite a few people. I like that he said quantity, not like usually it's quality over. Yeah, yeah, anyone can read like a hundred of the dumbest fucking like Dave Barry books or like or Christ knows what Ben Sass is reading, like you know the Forty Eight Laws of Power or some bullshit like that. Yeah, Yeah, I read exactly what he. I read uh, Good Night Moon. Curious, so, curious George. You know, you can combine the meaningful travel and the reading a bunch of books thing by reading all of Roosh V's books about fucking people in foreign countries. <laughs> so he says, uh, quite a few people can read two solid books in a week, but knocking out almost two a week for an entire year is daunting. With children, you have to start fucking with light- philosophy majors. God damn it. Yeah, they're the worst. But he says, with children, you have to start with light books and set them on the path to 100. But as they develop the habit of reading, I love this 100 club. It sounds like, you know, like a, like fucking 100 people in a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we're setting our yeah, kids well on the path to the century club. <laughs> yeah, fuck Ben Sass's century club. This is our century club. <laughs> so he says, our children... I've done, my du- I've done my duty as a citizen. I read 100 different Sweet Valley Highs this year. <laughs> our children haven't hit 100 in a year, but it has become a healthy behavior-shaping goal. Quantity is important, but quality is the bigger long-term goal. When our girls were not yet teens, we let them pick just over half of the books in their sequence. Now we have them propose a handful of books for us to select from, and if the books aren't rigorous enough, we intervene more aggressively. God, I hope they pick the Book of the Dead. (laughs) They're pretty good about wanting to stretch themselves, but we've also steered them to especially important books that will help them not just to learn their place in the world, but also comprehend the riches of the traditions they're inheriting. What's on our bookshelf? Other people's broad headings will vary, but ours include God... You know, you know what book he wrote, of course. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Art of War. <laughs> he, no, he says, their bookshelf includes God, the Greeks, Shakespeare, <laughs> the American <laughs> idea, and markets. Not, hey, by, like, by only the, Shakespeare is a book. Like, not, and they're not even books. Those are plays. And by the Greeks, he means Milo Yiannopoulos. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, young people need to be devouring Descartes. By the way, the last one is Markets? Yeah, the yeah, last markets. one just said Markets. The markets wrote a book. Markets. I love fucking Markets. Yeah, but he <laughs> oh, doesn't mean books it. books are the best. He just means this vague. And the other one was The American Idea. Like, what the Why fuck not? is that? Why like, not? I mean, like, you would think that, like, if you wanted your kids to get into books, you would, like, encourage them to, like, seek out books that they were interested in and, like, encourage them in that regard. Instead of giving, like, a 13-year-old girl, like, you know, here is a Charles Krauthammer's book. The Road to Serfdom. Yeah. It's your 13th <laughs> birthday. Here's a 17-volume tome from a Greek historian who talks about the time that he saw the console of fucking... Uh, a city that got swept up by the sea, laugh at a donkey eating fish. <laughs> it's really going to make you into a better person, like me, your father, Ben's ass. <laughs> so, 
this is it. This is the last paragraph, guys. This, oh, thank uh, God. Oh, thank God. Oh, but he says, fucking God. Uh, I feel like we read 50 balloons. <laughs> yeah. This is really the pain of work for me. The analogy that we've embraced for parental duty is teaching children to ride a bike. I'm a decidedly no training wheels guy. My method... Pad them in coats and ski pants, set them down a slightly declining street, and run behind them straddling the back uh, wheel. Child services <laughs> of Nebraska. <laughs> what the fuck is Hell yeah, man. You usually like fucking great Santini and Kathy Flack. <laughs> yeah. And you're making your kids wear like a full fucking ski outfit in like summer presumably when you're having kids ride bikes what the fuck is wrong with you here we go you teach your children to dance by shooting at their feet that's the classic <laughs> way i gently knock them side to side in the shoulders as we move along and at some point they suddenly find their balance mostly by accident and then they can ride it's a life-changing moment Bl that's the end of this fucking, fucking piece uh, fucking <laughs> fucking black people get their kids taken away because there's a picture of them from smoking weed on Instagram. This fucking asshole is doing like fake agility exercises with his three-year-old trying to give them concussions. And everyone's like, oh, what a nice story. They should immediately take his kids away and like give them to Jeremy Corbyn or someone. Someone who's responsible, who knows how to use a bike and not this fucking asshole. Gentlemen, that's Ben Sass. That's Ben 6% in the New Hampshire primary against Trump Sass. Yeah. Holy fuck. Sass to Sass. Now, that's the funny thing is that he's building this up. He's kissing the ass of the media all to the benefit of absolutely nothing because nothing. he is appealing to a small strata of rich retirees and beltway dickheads and literally no one else on earth, which you'd think after watching the last year in politics would teach you is not going to get you fucking anywhere. So good luck, asshole. Oh, you mean replying, to, you mean replying to Rosie Gray on Twitter with fake news isn't going to get you elected? Oh, oh, yeah. He loves doing that shit. I mean, he's one of my least favorite people because he believes in basically all the shit, every fucking piece of shit Republican has believed in for the last 15 years. But he's like, oh, I'm going to do a, a wedding crashers quote. I'm going to do a smiley face. And it's like, oh, that's just so much more despicable than even like Ted Strickland, someone who's just openly a piece of shit. I hope that Ben Sass uh, gets some more assignments on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And, uh, you know, I hope we bring back this uh, tradition from the 70s where our Congress people would visit certain religious compounds in Africa. <laughs> And they would, uh, you know, maybe they would take part in the ceremony, kind of. They would become part of the ceremony. I hope Ben Sass can experience that, you know, to build his character. Like, for instance, like, you know, an airstrip in Guyana. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. That may, he, he might really find himself there, I'm hoping. Oh, by the way, so that's Ben, ben Ass. And uh, Doc Anderson, if you're listening, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, fuck you created an asshole, dude. All right, guys. That's your chapo for this week. Brian, thanks Thank so much you, for Brian. joining thanks, us, Brian. man. It was a blast. Thank you. Thanks and, for having uh, me, boys. Cheers. cheers. Bye. Bye, everybody.